0: Hello awesome people! Welcome back to the Good2Go pod. I am Good2Go Joe, your host. Uh just in case you didn't know that. Um so here we are, we're in the middle of season two. I can't remember which episode it is, doesn't really matter. We're just keeping doing them. Um and the theme is find your fit. And I wanna be clear about what I mean when I say find your fit, because it's not just about getting fit, it's not just about working out, it's not just about doing moving your body and sweating and working hard, uh, you know, it is also about finding where you fit in life uh, and finding the things that you like to do, finding the things that help you to fit in in everything we do in life. Uh, and also in it has a lot to do with mental fitness and emotional fitness and being willing to pursue your own personal Uh, Deep doing there, let me re say that again being willing to do the deep personal work and pursue your own fit into life. Very much sense. Anyway, uh, moving on from there. So, I've been doing quite a bit of deep personal work over the last few weeks. I've got some stuff going on, and I've had to dig deep into uh, some of my own behavioral habits and look at what I've been doing and what I need to change. And this conversation that I've got coming up with Kate actually really helped me with looking at, uh, some of the habits that I have and needing to change them. So, uh, Oh, but before we go on that, a little bit of admin stuff there, uh, Patreon shout outs, David, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Uh, if you would like to become a Patreon, please follow the link in the show notes. There is one tier at the moment that you can help us out to keep doing what we're doing. You can be a good to go hero uh and you know yeah so follow the link go to patreon and uh have a look at that otherwise here's my conversation with kate i'll be back at the end with my takeaways bye Recording. hello awesome people i hope you're all feeling amazing as always i welcome back to the good to go podcast i'm your host good to go joe that's me but here on my screen here if you're watching this you can see this but if you're listening to it you can't see that but that doesn't matter i've got kate hi kate hello How are you good awesome Kate's come to talk with us today about behavioral change I've totally forgotten your proper title because I didn't keep that in my brain but Kate tell everybody who you are and what do you do
1: sure um so let's see you can probably hear from my accent I'm American um I just moved to Stockholm in December met Joe um in terms of what I do, I've worked in large corporations for over a decade doing change agent and transformation work. And I'm a researcher at Harvard in social psychology. And I specifically dig into decision-making, uh, problem-solving and um, cross-cultural scenarios.
0: Oh, 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 oh you're fun <gasps> decision. I'm just, I'm just taking notes, everybody. Yeah, i just nice. so many. Ex- and I'm
1: drinking tea, so sorry.
0: Oh, so many questions already. <laughs> Now, what was her? Social psychology, decision-making, making. Sorry, that's bad radio. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, we. I wanted to talk to you about behavioral change. And, you know, me being me, always being totally honest with everybody about everything, almost, always, yes. Anyway, um, my initial moment when I'm like, oh, I can talk to Kate about this, was when, when I was getting all ranty-panty about... Uh, uh, yeah, about uh, people. Oh, I can't even say the words. Sorry, it's coming out. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's coming about behavior, about people abusing women, about you know, sexual abuse with women and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, uh, but it's a big conversation, it's a much bigger conversation than what we can have here. But then we sort of, you know, we talked about it and then we came to this idea that what we could talk about is behavioral change. Yeah um and that I think is part of the solution for everything and everybody you know like as a as a coach myself when I how I operate is when somebody comes to me with a problem and we go they go this is where I am I'm like well where do you want to be and then we help them go from where they are to where they want to be and within that we need to change our behaviors right yep So I think one of the things that I want to just start with is to start with definition. What is behavior? Ah, so good
1: question. Mm -hmm. I would say um, this is quasi academic, uh, but behaviors uh, or norms, what we know of as kind of what's appropriate behavior. um, It's a set of of beliefs and actions um that fit into social and personal expectations right and it's both actions that we do ourselves and the actions we expect of other people
0: cool and you know for me there's there's two really big conversations there that i want to have and so help me stay on track i'm going to write this down but if i don't get to both of them help me stay on track And one of them is, how do we change our own behaviours from one thing to the other? And then how do we help those around us who, you know, from our perspective on the outside in clearly need to change their behaviours, but can't see themselves that they need to change their behaviours? Like, how do we help them through behavioural change? Can we start there with that? Sure. So... you and i have had some really interesting conversations
1: offline too i think we should say (laughs) because we might need to frame some thoughts here and bring things from the outside in but um so one of the things that i was uh reading over this morning before we started talking um was something called the behavioral wheel change and basically what it does is is frame all of the different aspects that go into change and there's three main components um, and the first is capability like someone has the ability to change and and depending on circumstances that's not always possible, mm. um, whether it's economic restrictions or um, uh, geographic restrictions or, or some other kind of um, uh, Ability um, then there is opportunity. Do they have the opportunity to both recognize and then demonstrate new behavior and new actions. Um, because it's one thing to say, and I think we've gone off on this tangent before, just you and I. It's one thing to say, oh, I want to stop eating this way or stop treating people this way or whatever. And it's another um, if you never presented with that trigger. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to say yes i've changed and this is something i wanted to do but if you you haven't been experiencing those triggers and actually acting differently and you don't have those opportunities not much happens and then the third kind of aspect here which is really important and i think plays into your question about how do we help others is motivation motivation right and motivation is usually broken down into two factors or two categories it's extrinsic yep. there's there's a force from outside motivating you or, or pressuring you or intrinsic you're you're pushed forward of your own own desire um, Mm -hmm. to change and I think those three aspects you kind of need all three of them you have to be able to change you have to have the opportunities to practice and then you have to want to
0: Mm -hmm. can I can we pull that apart that apart and I will put a thing up in the beginning but I'll also put this now I am going to talk about disordered eating people so if you don't want to hear this switch away now Um, so, asking for a, a friend, actually genuinely asking for a friend, um, and also my lived experience, you know, I've, I, I've had, and of course I have, you know, I've had many people in my life who have had disordered eating problems. And let me give you, if I can give you an example, there is this person that I know who is in the middle of trying to recover from eating disorder. Mm-hmm or disordered eating patterns or whatever label you want to put on that. Uh, and we sat down for a meal the other day and I got to see the way this person reacted over eating pasta. And for all intents and purposes, we are trying to work together to get this person to move forward in their life away from this eating pattern. But they came, this, this one particular thing was just a total block and they got triggered, and they just went into that same, but obviously that same behavior they do every single time. So, how do we help this particular individual move forward?
1: Yeah, so I'll have to put a little bit of a caution on this one. I am not a clinician. Yeah. Um, the most I can generally do with people um, is offer a beer and a friendly ear.
0: <laughs> and- but you know, in my experience, sometimes sometimes that's all they need.
1: Fair fair but i do want to put that out there since this is going into the ether webs yes. that i am yep. i am i am a researcher um, and i study social behaviors not necessarily clinical or abnormal ones yep. and i hate that word abnormal um so because we're all abnormal
0: right yeah right like what's normal
1: <laughs> um because normal is some average but then the average move is moves so yeah anyway we go a long rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, come back to the subjects. Come back, come
1: back. So, so, what, so there's a couple things to think about disordered eating. And it's something that actually I've been studying right now in uh, culinary psychology because I really love to cook and so does my husband. And so that whole taste and flavor experience and relationship with food and all that, I also have a lot of really bad habits and a massive mm. sweet tooth. So I do know... Mm kind of some of these disorder eating um, perspectives personally. Um, And so there's a couple of pieces to disordered eating. One is there's a lot of things that we call disordered eating now because we've seen it in social media or in news or whatever that is very understandable. Um, Just not that I would really make it mild. Like not the best way of coping, Mm. but it's a full on eating disorder Mm. and I think sometimes that alone helps to know like Mm. it's not a shock that you go to the cake or you go to ice cream or um, the really uh crunchy um fat chips or whatever Mm. it is um, when you're stressed yep um those actually trigger chemicals in your brain and the hpa access turns off and says it's okay to no longer be stressed we have reduced these hormone levels that's normal
0: it's that not means- the best way of coping but it's also pretty normal. It's not but, a big deal. But that's what comfort eating is, right? You're getting a chemical reaction. Yeah. To to say yeah. you can stop being so stressed. Yeah. Wow. So I
1: think okay, there's so you just of blown
0: blood. my so you just totally <laughs> blown my mind. I have never looked at it that way. Cuz I and I'm a huge comfort eater, right? And you know, I am quite famous for just sitting down and going okay, I am not okay. So I'm going to sit down with a bucket of ice cream or a packet of chips and sit and eat it. And then I feel okay. Yeah. Super common.
1: Super common. And, and there's biology happening behind it. Um, And it's a learned behavior too. You've done it before you felt better. So you do it again. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of really common behavior and And we've talked about this again offline in terms of habits, that aspect of our behavioral conversation, our brains are literally wired to be as efficient as possible Yep. or as lazy as possible. You can really take this either way, but that means let's let's not
0: use the L word there. Let's use
1: efficient, efficient, Efficient. good. Let's go with efficient. Um, And that really means habits. Habits. Um, It means it's how we assess situations quickly as a habit and um, uh, kind of a, informal processing or unconscious processing it's it's how we go back to our comfort what will make us feel better it's what's happened in the past Hmm. so this is this is normal where it turns into disordered eating is when you individually have a concern that this is not normal that this is beyond normal that you can't control it um, that it's a, a constant pattern it's the only thing you do Um, or that you have other worries about it that's where you really start to say okay maybe you need to seek clinician actually someone who can walk you through
0: would it be fair to say also just this is just going off in my brain would it be fair to say also those the people around you are having those concerns yes yeah yeah Yeah. so
1: sometimes the trigger to say you know something something's off Mm. um, isn't your own internal flag sometimes it's someone else who Mm. knows you well or loves you or whatever kind of pointing Mm. out this isn't like you know the friday night habit or the you know when stressed which is my thing when stressed i buy a pint of ice cream you know Mm. this is the this is the solution to every little stressor ever or bad thought ever. And we all have bad thoughts and we all have these other things, but like, if this is your only solution or a thing that consumes a large part of your thinking during the day, then it's something, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. And then you've got to go and seek help. We
1: have to separate that though, because I think it's while it's been good to raise awareness of health and lifestyle, um, medicine and our relationship to food and what eating disorders are and take away the the kind of shame I think it's also had a knock-on effect of making a lot of people who have fairly understandable habits and really you know just get have stressful lives start to worry
0: that they've got disorders yes there we go how do we change the behavior and the habit of the world to understand that it's okay to stress eat
1: Oh, yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> Hey,
0: sorry. World peace, here we come. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're on a mission, right? We're going to change the world. But, you know, we, within that, let's, well, let's take that for example, right? How do I, uh, when I'm sitting down with, on a Friday night with uh, my non alcoholic beer and my bowl of chips, to myself and i give the kids their bowl of chips and i have my bowl of chips and it's mine stay away anyway um but in the back of my head there are these thoughts which come in and and it's and again i guess i maybe now we're heading into clinician but maybe not maybe you've got something to say about it. let's see uh you know you, you sit down and even me who does all this you know does all the personal work and does and i'm on the mission to change the way people think about exercise and movement and all that kind of and food and how they eat but it still comes into my head when i sit down on a friday night and i have these things and it's like oh oh maybe i shouldn't be having this hmm. this is why you're fat you know, how do I get myself on that behavioral wheel of change to, because, you know, I've got the opportunity and I've got the motivation, I've got the capacity to do it, but it's still, it's still there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's probably a a bigger thing of things to talk about that I do think would better be served with a clinician. What I will say is from a holistic view, um, telling yourself you're a bad person right then doesn't help anybody, especially (laughs) not yourself. Mm. Like, that's generally true. Like when you're feeling down, making yourself feel more down. Mm. And, and I say this knowing personally, just how hard it is to stop yourself from doing that. Especially I think as women, because we're very socialized to be, uh, have very high standards, but also very nice, yeah. you know? And so it's sometimes even hard to recognize that we're not being very nice to ourselves. Yeah. Um, but I think a big part of the situation you're describing there happens before that moment when you're sitting down in front of the television and eating chips. It's um, more of a question of uh, have you had enough movement and daylight and um, healthy supportive foods that day? The days before, all of that. So your system physically isn't craving nutrients mm-hmm. or something to make it feel better in that moment, mm. right? Because some of this, this is out of your control. This is biology. It's your system's running, saying yep. we need something to, to you know, feel better. Yeah. And your system, unfortunately, is not quite so highly tuned. Cravings don't. I think there's a, some popular press out there that said if you're craving chocolate, you need zinc or something like that. Um, that's they're all kind of bullshit. Sorry. Okay. We'll work on those. <laughs> and uh, your body isn't quite so highly tuned. Well, it might be, but it is so um, uh, the, the, the thoughts or the cravings are so muddied by social processing, your past habits and experiences, all of that. It's really hard to rely on those and say, so, oh, if I'm craving this one food, I must need this nutrient. But then what what is going on in my
0: body? So the question really is, <laughs> no, how no, is doubt. Your, no doubt for me, what's going on in my body? Right. Are you, have you
1: been supporting it holistically all week? Yeah Is this just your Friday treat? Like yeah Also fine. because if yeah. you've been supporting it holistically all week with enough sleep, with daylight, um, connection with intimate partners and friends and all of that, which we know has an incredible impact on just general well-being um you know you're not fighting off cold or whatever kind of other recovering from the plague you know like big things happening right now in life um if you've been doing all of that and you just want to have a bowl of chips on friday night like (laughs)
0: like, have your freaking have the bowl of chips man believe me i i do (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I think, and that goes
1: back to that earlier point we were talking about, like a lot of these behaviors can be normal. Mm. Now there's a whole external factor here that I think people do need to be aware of. And that is, it's not always, you don't, you're don't you not always eating what you think you are. So yeah. this entire industry of food science and <sighs> how mani- food has been manipulated so that it is as tasty and crunchy and as appealing as possible. Yeah. Like the, they're deliberately playing with your own psychology. But um, it's also loaded up with all of this stuff that you probably don't really, aren't really craving or don't necessarily mean to eat. Okay. And that's the other thing where you might just want a salty, you know, kind of high fat snack, but there's probably a range of like, you know, maybe bacon, which is salty, fatty, but really kind of straightforward all the way through manufactured food that's got a whole lot more buried in it that you don't necessarily know
0: there's a question there expand down that for me bring that out expand on that because you've been doing this this nutrition thing i've forgotten the actual proper culinary name. psychology culinary yeah. psychology thank you expand on that for me so what I mean, you know, in, in the, on the, oh, come on, Joe, get your words out. Sorry, people I'm having a rough day from a basic level. I understand that eating less processed food is better for my body. Yeah. Expand on that for me with your culinary psychology expertise.
1: Yeah. So one of the things, um, that we have to be really cautious about is there's competing priorities kind of in the world. So there's, there's increasingly busy lives and um, a decreasing amount of cooking ability at home and an industry that seems to solve those needs with speed and convenience and partially prepared or fully prepared foods, um, but who are also in the business of making money, right? which means they want it to be as appealing as possible to you. Mm. And one of the things that we really pay attention to um, in culinary psychology is that it's it's so much more, uh, food is so much more than a single bite or taste. It's the way it appears. It's the sound you hear when you take a bite. That's when those, um, is it? um asdr uh videos have you seen where people have the very special microphones and they are videos of literally someone chewing wow um, yeah or like some there's also non-food related ones where it's like folding a sheet and someone's um explaining it and just the timbre of their voice makes it like leads to some tingly sensations Oh wow. um i'll say but it's cross-modal is what we call it it's either cross-modal or multi-sensory experience so okay. your There's a difference between taste and flavor. Taste is literally just what your taste buds are registering as sweet, salty, sour,
0: umami, whatever. Flavor is this whole experience. And can I can I just throw in there? Having just had COVID and losing my sense of smell and taste and flavor. And it's to be clear, it's not taste, it's flavor. Because I can still taste salt, bitter, sweet umami. And can I miso soup tastes amazing right now? But anyway. Uh, but there was no flavor, yeah. And so suddenly, food was really boring, and really, I was just eating high calorie, quick, quick food okay. because I just needed calories. Because you know, because for for me personally, flavor is a very important thing, uh, and when I'm eating, I like things to be tasty. Uh, you know, and I didn't have any flavor, and food right. just got really boring. It's like, oh, add coffee. Coffee just tastes like bitter water.
1: You want an interesting one because this comes up a lot here in Sweden. I've noticed because I love kanalula the cinnamon buns. Yep. um If you really want an interesting quick experiment about how your sense of flavor or taste is related to all your senses, plug your nose and put cinnamon on your
0: tongue. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's that going to? To be clear, this is not the eat the teaspoonful of cinnamon experiment, no, no, right? No, right? Don't know, do like that. A tiny, tiny little,
1: to a little pinch kind of thing. Don't go crazy. Okay. Um, um, I, will, I will cut to the punchline for those who aren't interested. Please, in I love spoilers. Spoil yep. that for me. Um, so I associate cinnamon with this very kind of rich, spicy, and often sweet flavor. Mm. Without my sense of smell, it is this chalky, weird kind of oh, really? texture thing. All
0: right, people at and home, when I, and you do can... this experiment. Let us know what happens. <laughs> there you go.
1: It's a fun one. And I would also do that with honey. And especially if you're someone lucky enough to have honey from multiple places, maybe when you have traveled oh. or from different parts of the country, because honey has so many different flavors depending on where it's from. Yes. So cinnamon can too, depending on where you buy it from.
0: What other fun things can we do? Um, I, take
1: an experience. So we're talking about your Friday nights, right? Yep. And, and having, and what I might challenge is one of the things you probably want on a Friday night or maybe I should just say one of the things I want on a Friday night is a treat. Yep. But is the treat the quick, quick food, like chips out of a bag? Or is it the experience of the nice plate or candles turn um, mm. lit? Mm. And um, there's all kinds of research on the shape of the plate can impact how sweet or sour you oh. think a or uh, food is. So if it's round, but the plate's round, you'll think it's sweeter. Um, if the plate's angular, you'll think it's more sour. Wow, really? Yeah, if there's a really loud noise, um, like construction going outside, or if you're on an airplane, yeah, you'll think things are less sweet. Um, so, like, play around with your setting a little. Wow, you could create that treat feel by trying to influence the
0: other aspects of flavor. Wow, and there in lies the culinary psychology. That's fascinating. I'm so good. All right, people, experiments. Let us know what you're doing with your plates at home. Uh, and I'm so gonna go and do some experiments and see what happens there. That's super cool. Isn't so then, <laughs> when it, if I, oh, big questions, big, small questions. I'm not sure what, yeah. Okay, we're coming. I'm building them. If I wanted to change Getting back to behavioural change. Sorry, mm-hmm. stepping away from culinary psychology. Well, then maybe may the culinary psychology has a role to play in it. If I wanted to change my own personal eating habits, um, my wife thinks I need to change my personal eating habits. I'm quite happy with my eating habits. Um, but if I wanted to change them, because they are just habits, right? What is that? some of the best things that I could do for myself to, to move from one space to the other space and, and get out of this habit and into a different habit?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of big steps or or blocks you kind of have to keep in mind. Um, The first is you have to destabilize your current pattern. And that sounds really dramatic. Um, But this goes into a lot of the creativity and problem-solving kind of research. It goes into bias research and all of that. Um, Remember that your brain is wired to be efficient and run on habits. And so you kind of have to disrupt it a little bit in order to get some movement, so to speak, and have some... uh, not space to build a new habit because the research actually says, um, the old habit never entirely goes away. You just add a new one into your brain. Um, so, uh, but you have to destabilize it. So there are very small things you can do to destabilize your daily habits. Um, if you always have coffee before your shower, have coffee after, if you wear your wristwatch on your left, wear it on your right and so on. Um, because they're, probably things that have become so ingrained and so common that just small adjustments like that will make everything feel just a little off and that sensation that little sense of discomfort that's all you need you don't Mm -hmm. need to like move to a foreign country (laughs) really
0: (laughs) yeah and yeah Yeah, not not looking at anybody in this conversation about doing that to change habits but oh anyway. no I luckily <laughs> I
1: truly love it but that was clearly my solution to most things was like moving across the world at first yeah no doubt about it And um, yes yeah, small destabilizing things um and then uh what you're also doing with that sort of discomfort is you are bringing a, awareness and um your ability to observe back to the forefront and this has implications far beyond changing a eating habit or something it has implications for how much information you start to um absorb in a way that gives you opportunities to solve different problems in your life and work you know scenarios and projects and all of this kind of stuff so there's you're not doing this um, thinking it'll only solve this one tiny thing it can it can change all kinds of stuff and that's um that's some of the stuff that I think is really interesting. Those are things, try going for a walk with a toddler
0: or, yeah. <laughs> you know, five I can, to I seven. Can, I, can, I can give you a toddler if you want to do that.
1: Do you know no. what it's like? <laughs> like, it's not just because they have short legs that it takes you an hour to get down the block. Well, it's it's because, because there's an awesome stick
0: just over there. Yes. The stick, the stick, mommy, the stick. Yes, sorry. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of my well, part of my morning routine slash ritual is to walk with my toddler from where I drop the older kids off to his daycare. And I'm in the fortunate position where I have the time to walk the approximately 600 metres, which can take us anywhere up to half an hour to do. But it's fantastic because I get a yep. lot of my problems solved in, in that in That's that right. you know half hour time. Um, whilst I'm still paying attention and playing and looking at sticks and squirrels and all kinds of things, I've got so much more space because you know I, I have consciously sat down and gone okay this is, this is my morning routine this is where I get time to sit down and sort anything that needs to be sorted before I kickstart my day. In you know get my brain into that mode over there and yeah come up with a lot of my genius plans on that little little 20 minute stint half hour stint yeah yeah
1: and that's a really common comment both the inspiration people get from from small people right because they're just they're well they're incredible observers
0: yeah but they're they're also in the moment yeah you know they 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 are what all of the all of the mindfulness training we've been doing for years is trying to get us to do they are in the moment uh and sometimes that moment is stressful um <laughs> but at the same time it's just like yeah dude you're really that sticks the best stick in the world right now yeah you know, and I, which is I'm cool. So happy for you. I wish, I wish I could be that excited about something,
1: <laughs> but isn't that kind yeah. of a cool thing to witness too and, yes. and understand simple joys and their powers of observation and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So those are the first two things, right? So yep. destabilize a little bit of a discomfort, break up that habit somehow. Yep. It, and it doesn't have to be, okay, I'm not going to eat the chips. I'm going to choose to eat popcorn like that. Yep you're jumping ahead of it, right? Like destabilize a little bit more. If you always watch TV with all the kids in the same seats on the sofa, make everybody switch seats. Yeah, okay. Right? That
0: would really really upset the equilibrium in my house. I love it. I'm gonna do it tonight, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make them sit in different (laughs) seats. There we go, all right, so we've got one for you.
1: So destabilize, then find space so that you can sort of observe. What does it feel like? You know, is, are people acting the same way? Um, and that sort of observe as a piece of of mindfulness, right? Because the next yep. big thing is mindfulness. So I think we've told um, talked to you offline. My husband and I are doing an experiment where we deliberately try to eat two meals a week mindfully. And that's all we can accomplish, I'll be yep. honest, between our yep. schedules and all the you know different directions we tend to run two meals a week, is it? Can I
0: just jump in there yeah. and say that for me is a really vital and important statement which is you're doing the work and you're recognizing that the time that you can allocate to that is two nights a week because for a lot of us we go oh I have to do this for every meal and then we fail and then we go well that was that sucked and I would rather I sucked at that thing yeah rather than taking time out to recognize and understand that really I can only dedicate two nights a week to this or I can only dedicate one meal a week to this thing but that's what I can do. And that's what I will do. I'm going to be kind to myself in this whole process. Anyway, sorry, keep going.
1: No. (laughs) And and that's exactly the point. So I think when you choose what you want to change, Mm -hmm. remember that you're going to have to be consistent about it for 30 days or more,
0: 30 days or more. Yeah. What we like the numbers,
1: depending on the person it takes 30 to 60 days sometimes to really set in a new habit. All right. So Um,
0: I'm going to throw a statement at you. I'm just going to derail you for just a second. I want your response to it takes 21 days to build a habit. Cause that's what pops Uh, up in my head. When you say 30 days, this whole 21 days to build a habit. What's your response to that? I haven't
1: seen any research that actually proves 21 days. Maybe okay. if you're like the fastest changer on the planet, you can match that.
0: <laughs> if you're super you For the rest of us, superpower.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: For the rest of us, we have other things going on. Hello. You know? hello. Sorry. That was a Swedish user. Yes. I know. Right. Anyway, back to 30 days or more.
1: Yeah. So I think more of the research I've seen has been a 30 day number. I think okay. the 21 day was probably because it was...
0: and it's it's convenient it's three weeks it's like a 12-week challenge you know it's a convenient number that people like to anyway yeah marketing is what it is it
1: is so brace yourself it's going to take a while and remember (laughs) the old habit isn't going to go away you're adding a new one you're building a new one
0: yes
1: um and so whatever you choose to change and i would highly recommend it be small because you have to be consistent with it for so long Mm -hmm. um uh you know, prep for that. And that's why, like I said, um, and to your point, that's why my husband and I are doing this two night a week, mindful mm. eating thing, because I I mean, technically in a week, we might be able to make five meals like that, but we'd never be able to do it the next week, mm. you know, and consistently back and forth. What is mindful eating? Ah, that's a really good question too. So um, mindful eating is... Everything from taking space between bites to setting the entire atmosphere—it's—it's it's deliberately trying to engage all the senses. So, what is the feel of the food in the mouth? How does it smell? How does it look on the plate? You know, what shape of cutlery or of dishware did you use? Um, what's the lighting in the room? Did you decide to put music on or not? Um, I grew up uh, with parents who. Um, a couple times a week at least meals would be super social Mm. right and so they were very long drawn out chatty things and i love that my husband didn't and so i have wanted that experience with him and so a lot of this mindful eating for us is to get back to that space where we can have chatty meals because we Mm. talk a lot in other places but not i'm used to food being really social that Mm. way Mm. Um, and so get back you know to that for us and and that might be mindful for you or if you're um uh, uh having a solo night um don't turn on the tv right mm-hmm. i think for most people television is a way to deliberately turn off our other processes right it's a distraction which sometimes is awesome i love stories and storytelling and all of that i'm not bashing tv but um it's kind of contradictory to mindful yep. eating yep. so you know limit the distractions but also set the stage and then try to deliberately think through, and it's a little awkward at first, like any new habit, um, think through your uh, different senses and how you're appealing. And then at the end of the meal, and the nice thing about this is we, uh, a lot of the research says it takes us about 15 minutes past finishing a meal to actually recognize our sense of satiation, mm. right? And and how, and what we even consider satiation, um, the sense of feeling full um, so if you stretch out the meal a little bit you might have a better chance at knowing when you're full
0: yeah, um, yeah. so that's part yeah. of
1: mindful eating
0: as Getting well back into listening to the body and the messages right. it's sending
1: right and then the other yeah. thing i think we need to um because i want to make sure i get this in here in case we want to talk about it more the other thing you need to think about with oh, um habit change is a growth mindset which is basically saying not i'm crap at this now or i'm crap at this period um or i'm not good at this like i was always saying i'm not good at math or i'm not good at statistics turns out that's not true um but i didn't know it until i was 35 you know (laughs) like it's i'm not Uh, good at it yet (laughs) exactly exactly and that's true of all habits Mm -hmm. if you're going to change it you're not going to be good at it right up front no one is
0: Absolutely. Sorry. I'm going to make noise there. Oh my God. How can we have this? Ooh, that is a whole other discussion for me. <laughs> Sorry. And it, you know, this need for immediate perfection that mm-hmm. seems to be so prevalent in a lot of people's habits uh, in, in the modern day, you know, how do we get people to understand that failure is a good thing and, yep. you know, start by going into something going yeah I'm gonna suck at this and I'm okay with that in fact I'm excited by it because it means I'm learning you know it's it's I you know I hit that every day of my life and particularly with not personally but particularly with clients and particularly with when I'm teaching kids uh kids martial arts and it's it's the young again not wanting to gender it but it is the experience that I'm seeing it's the young girls they're not doing it perfectly immediately so they get their their language is really negative and really down on themselves and i'm like i just stand there going stop it you're gonna suck at it deal with it get in there and and you know then i get messages from parents going Oh, you know, ex came home from training today, and she has she had such a. She, they love you. She just had such a good time. She said you're going to suck at things, and it makes everything okay. So I'm like, thank Christ, it's getting hopefully. Hopefully, I can change these kids' lives, um, <laughs> by making it okay to fail. Anyway, sorry, I'm ranting.
1: <laughs> but I think you're making really good points because, um. There was a bunch of research, there was an entire period just after, luckily, I was a teenager that basically said positivity is what makes um, or or, uh, positive self enforcement um, uh, makes kids happier and more resilient. And then they found out it was all lies Um, and it was all done wrong because kids are savvy. They know when they're not awesome at something. Yeah. And yeah. so it felt disingenuous yeah. to have someone say, ah, oh, good job, you know, that's good effort. And and um oh my and God, the yes. generation actually led to a lot more problems than it did have yeah. kids. And that's because they were jumping ahead in the process.
0: And is that because they're getting positive reinforcement, even though their the job that they're doing is not up to scratch?
1: Yeah. 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 So that that's it basically it was a huge backfire effect yeah. was teachers, instructors, coaches were all told you have to give positive reinforcement, that's what kids need. And kids, like I said, they're savvy, they're they're bright, right? They could clearly see they weren't as fast as another runner on the team or um, that their, their, their grade in mathematics or how quickly they finished a problem or whatever it was, didn't match another <laughs> peers. Um, and so it just made everything backfire well, because the then they isn't lost trust,
0: isn't it? yeah. yeah.
1: So now a lot of what we're finding is um, with the growth mindset, um, it's really important for resilience. Yes. Oh, um, it's really important word. for building habits, yeah. good habits. Um, and it's, it's really important to um, give children, adults, everybody challenges hmm. um, because we actually grow as People. this is part of the growth mindset as well, but it's also part of building resilience. Um, if we have challenges in our life that are slightly harder than our perceived ability to meet them. Not massively harder, and granted, unfortunately in life we get those, but we will be better able to weather those if we have a constant stream of small challenges that are slightly harder than our perceived ability. So changing a habit, a small one, like taking walks more or not eating chips, four nights a week and just doing it three you know yep. Yep. those are actually the challenges that will help you build resilience as well especially as you do them over time
0: yep and just because i am going to put my little fitness pants two cents worth in that's also how we get stronger that's exactly happens when we're doing fitness it's called the training effect in the fitness industry anyway <laughs> Now, I was going to ask you a whole bunch more questions, but we're getting a little bit short on time. So we're not going to solve the problems of the world today, Kate. Sorry. But no, that's all right. Oh, yes, I know, right? Why have we not solved all of the world's problems today? I'm just off oh, on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Should have scheduled it for a Monday. No, Wednesday. <laughs> Isn't Wednesday the most productive day of the week? Anyway. Um but you've mentioned things like growth, mindset, resilience. There was some other book that you were talking about. Actually, we were talking about last night. Um, do you have some, some, some good reading material for people if they want to help themselves develop these things? Do you have any recommendations? I've got a few if you don't. but uh, Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so there is a book out there that's called Habit. Habit. Ooh, I and haven't heard that one. Power of, I think it's just the power of habit. Um that's a pretty decent assessment of um, and recap of a lot of the social psychology around habit. Um, and so you'll see a lot of the themes that I've brought up here. Um I highly recommend psychology today. There's a version in Australia, there's one in the US. I'm pretty sure you can access, there's probably in other countries as well in other languages, but I know you can access those two from wherever. Um and they do a fairly decent set of articles that have got a nice little search term and search box on everything you can imagine around awesome. what's positive psychology, what's resilience, what's what's been debunked, all of that. Yeah. Um, and they're short, which I really appreciate because again, if you want to make a new habit, you keep it reasonable, right? Like don't get a master's degree right away.
0: No, oh, I know, right? Small, small incremental movements. Yeah. People. Also, I'm gonna go and look at that debunking thing. Just just I'm deep, what's been debunked? What's been deep? That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <gasps> oh, Cause you know, how many people's belief systems are gonna if oh sorry, my mind's just going wild. How many belief systems that we've had hammered into us growing up through the years, particularly being a child of the 70s, right? How many of those belief systems have been debunked yeah. and now scientifically proven to be wrong?
1: I get you, I am a child of the eighties. Pluto yeah. was a planet, yeah. then it wasn't. No, it's not. Now no, it's just a big rock.
0: It's... And now no, it is it's a planet again. It is again, okay. <laughs> mm. Right, okay.
1: But like, I've had moments where I wouldn't have even known that to be honest, <laughs> unless I was chatting with like a cousin or a niece or a nephew. So like it's, yeah. it to your point is, um, and this is again about habit, is we get into a space where we are very comfortable and mm. we're designed to be that way so that we can put energy into something different or new. But um, it's really important to challenge that and question that. Yeah. um, And
0: explore. Question everything. Yes. I love it. Kate, have you got anything? I'm going to wrap us up there, I think. Is there anything burning you want to say to people before we move forward?
1: Uh, Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Um, I hope it's useful. I will see if I can find a couple links you can put maybe in your show notes or something, and
0: so that people can go explore. Cool. Um, and if people want to get in contact with with Kate, you can actually get in contact with me, and I'll pass it on. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that was an awesome conversation. People might have questions. You never know. Um, Kate, thank you. You're the awesomest. That was a great conversation. I'm going to have you back later to have the other half of that conversation. Uh, so we can solve the world's problems uh, a little awesome. bit later on. Awesome. So, Thank you. Bye. Bye. And there we have it. That entire conversation. I've got my notebook here. I'm going to go through my little takeaways from that conversation. Because as I sort of said at the beginning, at, this conversation really did help me move through a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but I've got to find the right page here. Look, all these things that I've got written up here are business. Does anybody else out there still use notebooks? All right. So, (laughs) just reviewing what we had in that conversation there, okay? Uh, If we are wanting to change, small incremental changes, small incremental changes over time. Um, And for me, you know, not everybody is capable of making huge changes. Some people are, some people aren't. I personally... Do both. There's been some things in my life where I've just turned around and gone, okay, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh and then I just stop. And then there's other things where I have had to make small incremental changes in order to keep moving forward in order to get my goal. Um so you know, small incremental changes. Uh and then there was this thing at the beginning of the conversation where it is the you have to have the opportunity to change. Um and it, it really hit me that uh, not everybody gets the opportunity for change, you know, and that's a real privilege that we have for some of us in life is that we have that opportunity to sit down and look at the way we're doing things and, you know, recognise and understand that if we need to change, we can because we, we do have that opportunity, um, you know. So that's, that's humbling, I think, and also moving forward, what can we do to help other people get or find or see the opportunities that they have for change. Um, yeah, my On my list here, I've got it's okay to stress eat, <laughs> which, you know, and you know, I, I have the philosophy in life of eat the damn cake because life's too short. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to realize that stress eating has a purpose. Uh, so long as you're not being in inverted commas unhealthy about it, um, you know, and there's chemical reactions that we're looking for when we are stress eating, because we're looking to ease ease the the pent up sensation in our body that stress is creating. Um, and you know, so long as it's not an unhealthy habit, do you know, maybe we need to be not so hard on ourselves when we're having a stress eat. And then there was another thing that Kate talked about and there. You're not always eating what you think you're eating, uh, which is really – that was a really interesting statement, uh, you know, and I think requires a little bit more opportunity to sit down and in, – not inspect, do a, bit of re- excuse me, do a bit of research on that one. When we're building – God, so many notes on this one. Anyway, building new habits. Destabilise your old habits so that you can make room for new ones that was a really cool point for me I'm just like because you know when it comes to particularly for me when it comes around to a few habits that I'm wanting to move away from it is hard to know how to move forward from that and to sit down recognize the habit destabilize it so that you get the opportunity to make the observation and then move into the new habit or give the new habit time and space to become something or a part of your life really cool cool tip there Uh, and then one of my other favorite things there that we talked about was having a growth mindset. Um, you know, and that's (laughs) the whole growth mindset thing for me is, is really, it's a really interesting, uh, subject. And there is a book out there called growth mindset, I think somewhere. Anyway, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And I know when I read it, uh, you know, there's lots of stories in that book about how, Many of the business, people who ran businesses in, in the 80s and 90s uh, didn't necessarily have a growth mindset. Um, and my personal experiences from working in that time, I was, yeah, uh, <laughs> triggered, I think is maybe, I don't know if triggered is the right word. But, you know, I, I came up against some people who were my bosses who were all about the bottom line and they would do anything and everything and you know they were in that cost-cutting mindset, which was, were, we will increase our bottom line at the what it, at the cost of humans. Uh, and it didn't agree with me. And here I am, 20, 25 years later, reading this book about growth mindset, and I'm like, oh my god, here we go. Because you know, even in that, even in those moments, I had a. When reading this, it's like, yes, I had a, a growth mindset, but my mindset was butting up against the way the decision makers were thinking in those in those moments and I sort of look back and think well no wonder I've become the person I've become and I am where I am today uh you know so have a growth mindset people it does wonders for you anyway those were my takeaways from that amazing conversation thank you again Kate for coming on and talking to me with on well, not with Talking with me on the Good to Go pod, I love your work. We will put links to all of the things we've mentioned in that in the show notes. If you would like to get in contact with me or get in contact with Kate, please feel free. Uh, you know, pod at goodtogogo.se. Um, or if you would like to help us keep doing what we're doing, you can go to our Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes there, and help out by becoming a Good to Go hero. Thanks, guys. See you next round.